We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Our design is worship. Jason, our design is worship. When Adam and Eve were created, they were designed. It was in their makeup. It's what they did just because of who they were. And when you were born again and remade, that's your makeup. That, that's just who we are. Worship. What did we say this morning? Worship was just about Him. It's just about Him. It's about nothing else. I challenge you today as we go through the Word, worship. I challenge you today as we come to the altar, worship. I challenge you today as you leave this place and go home, worship. Worship in your home. You want to change your home? You want to change the dynamic? Worship at home. Don't let this be the place of, this is a house of worship, but your home could be the home of worship. Jesus' name. God bless you this morning. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team. I'm going to tag Jason on something you said if, you don't, if it's all right. You've heard, you've heard him mention often it's the double up season. It's the double up season. Double portions. There's nothing like going to a place that, that sells a chicken fried steak that it's the best in Texas and they give you two. They double up. Nothing like and I love this. I, so, sometimes I go to those ice cream shops and I'll tell them I want two scoops of chocolate. That's right. I don't get all those fancy flavors y'all get. I get good old-fashioned chocolate. And I guess they love me for it because they put an extra scoop on there. They, they double it up for me. Listen, we're in that season. And let me tell you something about seasons. Seasons come to an end. God takes us into new season. And understand something. We're coming to the end of a double-up season. We're coming to a place now where a new season's being introduced into our lives. And so if you didn't get in the double up, you're going to need the double up to get through this next season. You might ought to get into the double up today because this new season that's coming in, it's going to require what you've received from God, what you've input into God and His kingdom. It's going to require that for you to go through this next season. Amen. God bless you. Revelation chapter 3. I'm going on vacation next week, so I'm going to preach from Revelation and then get out of here. You can clean it up for me, Bishop. The Bishop said he didn't have a washing machine that big. That's all right. Revelation chapter 20, chapter 3, I'm sorry, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, if any man hear my voice and open the door, if any man hear my voice and open the door, many people think they're hearing the voice of God today, but many people don't open the door. I will come in to him, will sup with him, and he with me. The book of Revelation is probably one of the most studied books in the Bible, and it's probably the most misunderstood book in the Bible. With so much mystery given in symbolism, it's challenging to say the least. 
But I want to concentrate on an area of the book of Revelation this morning. The first three chapters, they're written to the church concerning the seven different ages, stages, seasons, whatever you prefer to call it, uh, of the church age that we will go through before Jesus Christ returns. It started when Jesus left and the Holy Ghost fell. The, The beginning of the first church age started then. And we know from there the church has gone through different stages, if you will, ages, if you will. The attention is then turned to, from in the first three chapters, you'll find the concentration on the church. And then you find the attention is changed and turned. This is where a lot of people get confused because they want to continue to read on into Revelation and they start seeing the symbolism and all these things and they try to attach it to the church when uh, we know that the attention is then turned to the nation of Israel and into the world and the things concerning the end time and all those things. And God doesn't speak to the church until you get back to chapter 20. Then He begins to talk to the church again. And through the rest of Revelation, you see that God not only talks to the church, but He talks to Israel and He talks to the world as well. So I want to look at these first three chapters in just a segment of it. Because in these in chapter 2 and 3, there, there's a thing that God expresses, and it's the works according to the church. In each one of those, He said, I know thou according to thy works. In each stage, in each level, in each part of the church age and the dispensation that we live in, and in each age, there has been a work that has happened uh, inside the church itself. In each stage, you hear the phrase, He that hath an ear to hear let him hear. Not he that ha- wants to hear. He that hath an ear to hear. Let- I'm quite sure most people in that had two ears. Now, there were people that probably lost their ears. Maybe the guy that Peter whacked his ear off, you know, got Jesus put it back on. You know, but it's not talking about a physical ear, obviously. He that hath an ear, he's talking about spirit. If you've got an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. It's critical to understand something. That in this last day, in this era that we live in, we're going to talk about it just a little bit, that the Spirit is trying to talk to us, and God says there's going to be people in the church that have an ear to hear. But there's a reason He says He that hath an ear to hear, because there's going to be people in the church that don't have an ear to hear. They're not listening to Spirit. Don't listen to me today as man. Listen to Spirit. I'm not the Holy Ghost, but such as I have, give I thee. Peter and John, when they, the man that was crippled, they said, such as I have, give I thee. They didn't pray something down. They prayed something out. That Holy Ghost that was in them, all they did, he said, just grab my hand. Just stand up. Stand up. So the man stood up, and the next thing you know, he's leaping and running and running into the temple because it's Spirit. It's Spirit. It appears that in each season of the age of the church, the Lord gives the church ability to hear His voice. He speaks to each era, and they can hear His voice. No one, even though Smyrna was pretty rough, each one of those has the ability to hear if they'll just listen. And I'm telling you today, if we'll just listen to God, He's saying something to the church today. He doesn't discount any church in any season. He doesn't discount any group in any season. Each age has their opportunity. The final age of the church and, uh, that we find is in chapter 3, starting with verse 14. And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things write thee, amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. 
I know thy works. In each stage, he said, I know your works. I know what's going on. You don't have to hide from me. You don't have to disguise it. You don't have to make it look like it's Christianity. Or you, you know what? You're doing great. Well, I know your works. You are doing the things that I've called you to do. He said, I know your works. That they are neither hot or cold nor hot. I would that they'll work cold or hot. Cold or hot. There were two rivers that ran into the city. The reason that we find this next verse, uh, let me just read it. So, that because thou art lukewarm. Most of us take showers lukewarm, don't we? It depends on what time of year it is. But you don't take an all-cold shower. Even right now, it's 100 degrees. You keep the heat on a little in the shower. If you live out where we do, you do because it's 55-degree water coming out of the ground. You're going to keep it lukewarm. It's lukewarm is comfortable for a human being. But Jesus said, because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Understand this. One of those rivers was warm that, that came into the city. And it was warm, and they used it to bathe with and to clean with and that type of thing. But the other river was a cold river that ran out of the mountains, and it was where they got their drinks from, their water, their cooking, and all that stuff. But there came a place where they converged in the city, and that place where they converged was the lukewarm area. Nobody used that area. They couldn't drink out of it. It was lukewarm. It was too hot. They couldn't wash in it. it was too, they didn't use that area for anything. It was a useless area. And that's the reference we find here to Laodicea, understanding that there's this thing that's happened in the last age of the church. And make no mistake about it, we are in the seventh age of the church. The Laodice, Before Jesus returns, we are in the Laodicean. How do we know? It's easy. He told us what it would be like when we were there. He said, but because you were neither hot nor cold, you know, there were those that would go when they were thirsty to that place where those rivers converged and dip their hand in there to get a drink and they just spew it out because it wasn't any good. Those were the people that were visitors to the city. Those that lived there knew better than that. They knew not to go do that. If they wanted to drink, they would go to one. If they wanted to clean, they'd go to the other. So in the final age of the church, here's what it says. The church is consumed by the idea that they're rich. The church is consumed by the idea that we're increased and need nothing. Look what it says. Verse 17, Because thou sayest... I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. I, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Who's saying it? Thou. We are. The church. Understand something here. This scripture we're reading here today is speaking directly to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not speaking to the outside world. It's not speaking to sinners. It's not speaking to anybody in any other religious aspect. It's speaking directly to you and me, the church. And it appears that the church has become lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. The church, enters, the church has centered itself between man and God. We've We've centered ourselves between man and God. In the final age of the church, the church again is consumed by this idea, we have no need of nothing. But look what he says. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He's not talking about earthly things here. Understand something. He's talking about spiritual things. Understand this. Because thou sayest, I am rich. Sometimes we think we're rich in spiritual things. 
It's because we've put our idealisms in the wrong thing. Sometimes we think we're increased with God's goodness because we see increasing. You know, there's a song out right now that we, <clears throat> the church today seeks its blessings in its pocket. Most of the church world today, when you talk, what's the blessings that you receive from God? Well, God's blessed me financially. It just comes right out of our mouth. God's given me this. This is what I have at home. This is, and that's not what it's talking about here at all. I have need of nothing. Some of us come to church. Some of us come to church, and we don't need one single thing. We think. But the Lord spoke through John the apostle and said, you don't even know you're wretched. You don't even know you're miserable. How can you not realize you're miserable? Because you're not living in spirit. If you're living in spirit and you feel you're increased and rich, you understand something. Boy, this is, this is miserable. You understand that this life is a miserable life. It's not that you have to be unhappy. This is not what our life's about. This is not what our life's about. The church, not the world, needs to be, be seated in the center between God and man now. But what's happened is, is the church has moved itself over to where it's seated as man. That's what Laodicea is about. But the challenge to us from the Lord, this Laodicean age, he says is to counsel with him. Look at verse 18. I counsel thee. The Lord wants to counsel with His church. In this age that we're living in, He wants to counsel. What does it mean to counsel? I have people say, Pastor, will you counsel with me? And so what happens is, you know, I know y'all you know, think I talk a lot, but you know, we, we get to talk back and forth. That's what counseling is about. Let's talk about the situation. Let's talk about the problem. Let's talk about the need. And that's what the counseling is. And the Lord says, I want to I talk with you, and I, I want you to listen to me, and I want to listen to you. I want to hear these things. To buy me gold-tried in the fire, to buy of me gold tried in fire, that thou mayest be rich. So we think we're rich in spirit when <clears throat> the rich in spirit are those that are tried by fire, like gold is tried by fire. Now, that, that's, that's un-American, to be tried by fire. We, we don't want to do that. That's not the easy way. Let's microwave our Christianity. Plug it in, hit a couple knobs, and bzz, there we are. Go back to the good old-fashioned oven. It's where it's tried. Try, try cooking a roast in the oven and try cooking one in a microwave. See which one you like the best. The one that's tried in fire. The Lord wants to counsel. To, look what he says. That thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesel, that thou mayest seest. He wants us to stand pure in spirit in front of Him. In this Laodicean age, an age of lukewarmness. <clears throat> you ever been, I've been in this situation before. This is pre-church. I was entering into an arena uh, where there was going to be a little battle. And I had one guy that was a friend of mine. I knew he was going to be with me. And there was like, five or six other guys, but there was another guy that kind of ran with us. I wasn't sure, I, and I asked him. I'm going to call his name. I asked him, are you with us? Well, uh, 
Uh, well, it's kind of like I'm going to stand back and see. If, you, if you're getting the victory, I'm going to jump in and fight with you. But if you're not, I'm running for the hills. That, that's, he was the lukewarm guy. The other guy I know, you know what, we, we may get beat up pretty bad here. But you know what, they're going to know we were there. And that's kind of what happened. My other buddy, lukewarm. That's what lukewarmness is. God wants us to stand pure in spirit. He doesn't want us to run when the, when the fire hits, don't run. When the fight hits, don't run. When the tribulation hits, don't run. When the trials, don't run. Stand and fight. Stand and be who you are in the church. He wants us to be clothed in His righteousness. There's so much self-righteousness in the church world today. Many people in the church today, you know what? They're checking boxes. I did this, and I did this, and I did this. Man, I'm doing good with God. I did this. Man, uh, look at, whoo, God loves, whoo, God, I'm glad, you're glad I'm on your side, aren't you? Checking boxes. Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. He wants us to be clothed in white raiment. That's His righteousness. And He wants our eyes to be open at what's going on right now in front of us. There's so much going on in the church world today and outside the church world today, and our focus should remain on the world of the kingdom. But much of our focus is on a president or a disease or, a, or an Olympics. Or most of our focus is on everything but the kingdom. Jesus said that's the lukewarm church. He's not against the other things, but they can't be prominent. They can't be prominent. Our focus, and I really believe, this is, this is can, I, can I give you a first Don 1 and 9? I really believe this corona business is all just a ploy of the devil to take our focus as the church off of winning souls. I think that's all it's about. Because that's all he's here for, to kill, steal, and destroy. He don't care what you have or don't have. He don't care where you're at or where you're not. He, just, he doesn't want you to be saved. He doesn't want people to be saved. He doesn't want people to enter the kingdom. That's his whole deal. That's why he's here. And so if he can get us to concentrate on, man, you know, we got this guy for four years now. Whether you like him or not, it doesn't matter. It's going to be bad. So we're going to get a guy another four years maybe. Well, whether you like him or not, it's going to be bad. It's going to be good. And we all the time, that's, you know, I'm going to say this. I heard more about Trump than I know about Jesus when Trump was, I, you know, I voted for him. But I'm going to tell you, I heard more about Trump Trump's the Savior. Trump's going to do Trump, 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 Trump. I'm not talking about out there. Friend, when Trump overrides Jesus, when Biden overrides Jesus, when whoever overrides Jesus, we've become lukewarm. See how fast my grandson is? You ought to be crippled like me trying to run after him. Old like me and trying to chase him down. Yeah, he found him. A, yeah. <laughs> the devil wants to distract us from focus. From focus. I asked a person not too long ago whose focus was kind of out of focus and focused on other things they shouldn't be focused on and other problems that other people had they shouldn't be focused on. And so I just stopped and I brought it back into, you know, remember, remember those old projectors and they'd turn little deals and all of a sudden or you're, you got binoculars and you're trying to see that deer way off well you can spin that thing and you can tell exactly what he looks like so I brought it back into focus I said well hey I realize these people probably have problems like we do and I realize they have these situations like we do so let's focus on this when's the last time you brought somebody to church 
When's the last time you taught somebody a Bible study? When was the last time you, see, we can focus on anything we want to focus on and find fault in anything we want to find fault. You can, you can take, get out of focus and find, find all kind of fault with Pastor Don. So don't focus on Pastor Don. Don't focus on one another. Our focus has to be on Jesus. And the lukewarm church has lost its focus. And we're focusing on everything but Jesus Christ. And God wants us to learn. And listen, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. If he didn't think there was those here today that couldn't hear, we wouldn't be talking about this today. God knows who's not going to hear and who's going to hear. He knows. So those of us that want to hear, if you have an ear to hear, listen to what's being said today. He said, as many as I love, I will rebuke them and I will chasten them. What does that mean? He says, as many as I love, I will draw them back in line. I love you. I want to draw you back in. It's not so that I can have thumb power over you. It's not so that I can do this over you and that I can be the all this. You know, I want him to be Lord over me. I want him to be master over me. I want him to be God over me. I, I do want that. But that's not the design of it. That's not the design of it. The design of it is, is that he wants to be the husband to the wife. He wants to be the husband to the church. He said, listen, just take the opportunity. I love this. Verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. So be zealous and repent. Be zealous. and What does it mean? You ever met somebody that's a zealot? I'll show you a Dallas Cowboy zealot. I'll show you a Rangers zealot. That's okay. Not a thing wrong with that. But understand, he why is he why would I consider him a zealot? He's as deer hunting zealot too. He's got more on my place than I have, so I'm, I'm behind. Why is that? Because it's the thing that he's looking at is important, and the being zealous means all right. I'm putting my all into this. There's nothing worse than going to a Rangers game and seeing somebody sit down with their hands on, on their pockets. I, I don't understand that. Oh, I'm, I, you know, I paid my money. I'm just here to, what? you're wasting your time, dude. Put your hands together. Clap for your team. Ag them on. That's why, you're, that's why you're called a fan. Fan comes from the word fanatic. Fanatic. And there's a difference between a fanatic and somebody that sits on their hands. And Jesus said, listen, you can be a fan, sit on your hands, and be lukewarm. Or you can be a fanatic. You can be a fanatic. We don't like saying that word in church because that has some connotations that we don't really like to. But you know what? It'd pay you, some of you, really good to become fanatical. Because you're already fanatical. Pastor Don's already fanatical about some things. He needs to get rid of that and be more fanatical about Jesus. Let me get back over here, Jesus, where I need to be. You, you understand? He's talking to me too. Y'all, y'all looking at me like, my Lord, Don and Jesus, are ga- they're on us now. No, Jesus, is, He loves us. He's chastening right now. He's rebuking right now because he wants us to be zealous and repent and move forward in what's going to happen to the church. Look at verse 20. This is the one that really caught my eye. It's the one we read. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You see, the church world today has it backwards. When I found the Lord, when I came to my, 
Listen, you, I'm sorry. Don't, you didn't find Jesus. Oh, I did. I was looking for him. No, he found you. He stands at your door and knocks. You don't stand at his door and knock. Nowhere are you going to find in Scripture where you knock on his door. He's always knocking on yours. He's always knocking on yours. Here's the problem with this Scripture we're about to read. In the Christian world today, even in our circles, we see that as someone that Jesus, a lost person. Let me read it. Think of this as a lost person. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him, will sup with him, and he with me. And we say, man, that's the Lord reaching out to the lost. The Lord's talking to the church here. He's not talking to the lost. Now let's look at it. Jesus is talking to the church. Behold, I stand at the door. I stand at your heart today. And I knock, church, at your heart today. And if any of you will just hear my voice. So not only is Jesus standing at your door, Jesus is standing at the heart of my door right now saying, Don, 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 if I'll just hear his voice, Don. You know what? I don't answer to Ralph, Ralph, Victor, Samuel. But when I hear Don, Don, I'll answer that door. And that's what God's doing to the church today. He's knocking at our heart's door, the church, and He's wanting us to answer. He said, if you'll just hear my voice, if you'll just open that door, because all He's going to do is He's never going to reach for the doorknob. He's never going to reach for the doorknob. He's waiting for you to reach for the doorknob. Here's the thing about the door of your heart. It has no exterior knob on it. It only has an interior knob. It's a one-way door. You're inside, and either you let him in or you don't. I stand at the door and knock. God is speaking this particular word to this particular age of the church, the Laodicean age, because he knows, he knows that something's going to happen. Jesus said in John 14 and 6, I am the way the truth, and the life. Could it be that in this Laodicean area and arena and age that we live in, could it be that there are people in this church age that we live in today that have been in the church so long, Jesus said, I'm the way, but we've lost our way. Could it be that that's what happens when you become lukewarm? You lose your way. You think you're in the way, and all the while you've lost your way. People that train you to go out to the, the forest or to the deep woods and stuff and to survive will tell you this. And all their survival teaching, they'll tell you this one thing. Most people that die in the forest, they die because they get lost, and they don't die because they're lost. They die because they're ashamed they got lost. They're ashamed. They die from shame. They don't die because they're lost. They don't starve to death. They don't, they don't thirst to death. They die because of shame. It's shameful that I got lost out here. They lost their way. Could it be in the church today that we've been in the church so long we've lost our way? We began a sure path, but things begin to obscure the path. The way seemed clear. You know, I can remember the day. The way seemed so clear for me when I came into the church. It was so open. 
There wasn't things in my life that were clogging the, the pathway. But over time, things began to clog my pathway, the way to the Lord. I mean, things... And, and then I got muddled in self-propagation. You know, one of the worst things that can ever happen to a, a preacher, can, worst thing that can ever happen to anybody, but it's worst for a preacher, and that's to become self-propagating. It's more about me than it's about Jesus. People need to hear me over Jesus. I got a word for you today. It's not from the Lord, but I got a word for you today because it's from me. They don't say that, but that's one of the worst things that a pastor can ever, preacher can ever do is self-propagate. Because you know what when you, happens when you self-propagate? You become your own God. Whatever you put before the Lord is your God. And so we can lose our way if we're not careful. We begin to self-propagate. That's, we, we, we become muddled. There's world success. Listen, church, to become successful is not wrong, but to become worldly successful is wrong. There's nothing wrong with being successful in the world, but there is something wrong with being worldly successful. There is a difference. Because you can be, God can bless you, and you can become very successful in the world that we live in. Or you can take the standards of the world and use them, as many people have, to become millionaires and billionaires and become successful. But you've done it the worldly way instead of God's way. Alternate lifestyles. I'm not talking about sexual stuff. I'm not talking about alternate lifestyles. We pin that word on sexual stuff. But alternate lifestyles cause a lot more than that. Many people living in the church today have an alternate lifestyle. The lifestyle is what? Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't want to hurt y'all's feelings. This is not your lifestyle here today. I guarantee you. I guarantee you it's not your lifestyle. You know why I can guarantee you that? Because I can come here in the morning and you won't be here tomorrow. You won't be eating breakfast here. You won't be talking to your kids here. You won't send them off to school when it's school time. You won't go to work from here. You won't come home and fix dinner here. This is not your lifestyle. This is where we meet and worship God. Your lifestyle is where you live and what you do where you live. Now, what you do there, I can't guarantee because I don't come to your home and I don't tell you, all I'm not God's private eye. I don't come around and take videos. I... (laughs) Bishop probably does too, but I knew some pastors that did that. I knew some that would go to people's, they felt somebody said in the church, hey, this person's not living right. They would go with a video camera. First of all, in the group we came from, what are they doing with video camera? Anyway, and video what they were doing and then present it to them. Come on, come on, come on. That's craziness. That in itself, as a pastor, is not the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. It's not what Jesus does. But we as a church have to recognize something. We can lose our way. See, it's easier to take the path of least resistance, isn't it? Honestly, it's easier to take the path of least resistance. The accepted direction. It's easier to not buck the system even if the system's absolutely incorrect, it's easier to just ride with the system. Maybe you're not on the main road. Maybe you just hook on somewhere and kind of ride with the system. The perception of truth. Do you understand what the perception of truth is in the church world? Listen, church, understand something. I'm talking about the church world today. Y'all have all gotten really quiet on me. Yeah, your feelings are hurt, I can tell. Some of you are hurt in different ways. 
But understand something. This is God's way of telling us, I love you so much that I'm just, just pulling you back, just, just getting you back in that direction. The Scripture says you're going to know the truth. You're going to know the truth. You're going to know the truth. And the truth's not going to set you free. It's going to make you free. That's what the Scripture says. It's a big difference between set free and made free. The big difference. The church world is filled with these perverted truths of Scripture. The church world is filled with perverted, the whole idealisms around Scripture. We were talking, Bishop and I were talking about it before service uh, uh, earlier. How, how do people not see just the truths of Scripture that are simple? Scriptures are being manipulated so that they fit lifestyles, twisted and changed so that they make us feel better, flat out misrepresented for the purpose of gain. It's called Laodicea. Not hot, not cold. I'm a Christian, but I'm worldly. I'm a Christian. Y'all know that's oxymoron. I'm a Christian, but I'm worldly. You understand that does not work. Jesus said, if you're a Christian, say you're a Christian, but you live worldly, he said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Just like the rivers that converge when somebody tries to get a drink, he said, I'm not, I, I won't do, have anything to do with that. You can't be a Christian and be worldly. You can't be worldly and be a Christian. Y'all haven't heard this for a while from me, have you? Or have you? <laughs> there are things we're all going to disagree on, correct? Y'all agree with me with that? We're, there's some things we're going to disagree on in Scripture, but it can't be truth. It can't be truth. You might think so-and-so was a better apostle than so-and-so. I might think this apostle. That's okay if we disagree on that. That's okay. But we can't disagree on the fact of who the Savior is. Jesus said, I am the way. We can't lose our way. Jesus alone is a living Savior. He is the way. He alone is the living Redeemer, the living God. He said, I am the truth. If you know the truth, the truth makes you free. You understand you know Him. How do I get to know Him? One of the reasons we're doing what we do in Sunday school, and, and we'll bring it to a close here, so that is that we can learn how to study the Scripture and learn how to know Him. Are we ever going to achieve the knowledge of everything that God is? We're not even going to come close. <laughs> but there is a relationship that He wants to have with you, that He will give through you through Scripture, if you'll just take the Scripture and study it. It's, it's not hard. He's not, get, he's not even going to give you a test on it. You study it, He's not even going to give you a test on it. Oh, you'll have them in life. But the beauty of it is, when you studied that, and this life test comes, because you studied back here, this life test can be successful. He's the way. He's the truth. There is no other truth but Jesus Christ. No man come to God but through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. I know in today's world, that takes a road very direct. It's very narrow. M many of us are called narrow-minded people. Jesus said, broad is the way. Broad is the way that leadeth to damnation, to condemnation. Narrow is the gate. 
We're not narrow-minded, but we understand that narrow is the way that leadeth. And we have to understand something. We're not narrow-minded people, but we know if He's the truth, that there is only one truth. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's not many lords. He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. Let's get out of the Laodicean because in the Laodicean church, He's the Lord sometimes and sometimes not. But He's got to be the Lord of all or He's not the Lord of all at all. He's got to be our Lord. Let me move on. Let me Laodicean church really, you know, it really comes out to be a church that's asleep. A church that's asleep. Not hot or cold, just driving down. You know, there's nothing worse than coming down the freeway and somebody coming at you in the middle of the road. Pick a side, dude. Pick a left or pick a right, but drive on one side of the road. If you drive down the middle, you're going to have a serious, serious accident. Maybe fatal. And that's what the Laodicean church is, driving down the middle of the road. Tabernacle of praise, make no mistake, we are living in that age. We're living in an age where you know, that we have to make a decision. Jesus said, we've got to make a decision. I would that you be hot or cold. He's not begging us to be hot or cold. He's not, he just said, you got to be hot or you got to be cold. The reason I want you to be hot is that you're living for me, you're doing what I've called you to do, and if you're going to be cold, be cold. listen, I'm just going to tell you, preachers don't, if you're going to live in the world, everybody listen to me, if you're going to live in the world, go get it. Go get it. Get every bit of it you can get, because it's the best you're ever going to have. From, from, from your death out, it's over for you, and the, the worst is yet to come. But if you're going to try to live in the world, don't go get the. Don't try to halfway live in the world, because not only are you going to miss out on the world, you're going to miss out on Jesus, because He said, if you're living one way or the other, or trying to live both, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. So you've missed Jesus. And and as the listen, our focus has to be retrained. I'm going to ask you to stand. Our focus has to be retrained as the church of the living God. I enjoy things that I do just like you. I enjoy going places, and there's nothing wrong with that. You enjoy going on vacations, there's nothing wrong with that. You enjoy having things, there's nothing wrong with that. You, listen, it's not, that's not what God's saying here. What He's saying is, listen, enjoy all of those in me. Let Him be the focus, the center. Let Him be the one that's not, not halfway here. And everything that you do, do as unto the Lord. Everything, you know, we're going we're to go on vacation this week. We're going to go down to the coast and enjoy the water. You know, but we're going to do it as unto the Lord. The Lord blessed us for it. The Lord's rewarding us for it. The Lord's given us time with family for it, and it's for the Lord. And we'll have a better time than you'll ever have. Because I used to go to that same place for the world thinking I was having a fabulous time. And waking up on Monday morning thinking, my, what did I do? Jesus is knocking today. Some of us here have ears to hear. But some of us here don't. 
I'm not so foolish to believe that everybody in here is listening to what's been said today. And y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. I used to get my feelings hurt when I didn't think y'all listened. That used to hurt my feelings. I got over it. Wasn't about me. See, I was thinking it was about me. Wasn't about me. I never lay claim to be the greatest preacher in the world, be the smartest preacher in the world, be the most eloquent preacher in the world. But I will lay claim to this. If God speaks it to me, I'm going to preach it. Maybe I need to devise a little better way to do it because I know I can be abrupt sometimes and I, I know I can be pretty harsh sometimes. Uh, and I'm not apologizing for that. Don't, you don't misunderstand. I'm not going to apologize. And I'm not going to apologize for what God gives me to preach because, listen, I don't, my feelings don't get hurt anymore. If every one of y'all fell asleep this morning, I'd still be preaching hard because I'm preaching His Word. But you know what? You have ears to hear. That's why you're standing. That's why you're listening. Because you want the direction of God. You don't want Pastor Don's direction. You don't want to do this for Pastor Don or anybody else, family, whatever. You want to do it for God. And that's that's where God wants us to be. I love this because I found the real meaning of it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in with him and will sup with him and he with me. That word sup in the Greek, it means to dine at the principal meal of the day. The word sup in the Greek, dine at the principal. If any man comes and I'm knocking and they open the door and let me come in, together you're going you're gonna to dine with the principal meal and I'm going to dine with you the principal meal. This is going to be a two-way dinner. And that's what he's doing today. He's ready for a two-way dinner. Have we lost focus? Have you ever lost focus in your life? Have you ever lost focus in your Christian life? Have you ever lost so much focus in your Christian life that you had a serious accident? What you've got to understand that it's the focus. It's the focus. Thank God we have a God that not only loves us, but forgives us, cares for us, rebukes us, chastens us, and brings us back to that place where He wants us to be. I'm going to open these altars this morning. I had a a focus awakening this week. Many times when you're preaching as a pastor, even though you hear it twice and you study it, what you don't do is you don't consider it for yourself. You don't consider it. This is for God's people. This is God's word that He gave me to give to God's people. But I had to consider it this week. I really thought about what I was going to preach this week. Not so I could preach it a certain way, but to understand that God wants me to understand as your pastor. He wants me to focus. How crazy would it be for you to come here focused for God and pastor be unfocused? That won't work. 
I've got to have a focus. My focus has to be the lost. My focus has to be the sheep of God's pasture. I'm an under-shepherd here. I'm a servant. I'm taking care of someone else's sheep. And so I need to do it with due diligence. And I I need to do it the correct way. I need to treat that person's sheep just like they were mine. And you're God's sheep. We're God's sheep. We're the sheep of His pastor. And I need to treat you just like you're God's because you are. That requires pastor to be on focus. Not to be Laodicean. None of us in this building have to be Laodicean. It's not required. It's not required. We can all be on the hot side. We can all be on the hot side. It just requires focus. Lord Jesus, we we know that you already know we live in a crazy world. We know that, that you know that we live in a disturbed world, miserable world, broken world. We know that you already know that. Help us to focus again, Lord, on what this is all about. You didn't save me for me to be saved. You didn't call me in the church for me to be called into the church. You didn't bring me into the kingdom to bring me into the kingdom. All these things are done so that I might reach one more, one more person, that I might focus. Our time's coming to a close. This age will not always be here. We're coming to a place this building won't be here. We won't have these automobiles. All this will be over. And this little thing, this dot on that timeline called eternity, this little dot of time will be completed. And only what's done for you will make it through the fire. And we know that you came to this world for the simple purpose to seek and to save that which was lost. Your focus, Lord, thank you. God, your focus was on me. Your focus was on me. Where would I be, Lord, if you hadn't put your focus on me? And your focus was on every person that's in this building today. Your focus was on them. And your focus is on the world outside of here. God, help me to be redirected as a Christian in my focus to focus on one another, to focus on the lost, to focus on why I am really here. God, we do appreciate your blessings. We realize as a nation we are heads above all other nations in blessing and and what you've given us and allowed us to live in and through what you've taken us through as, as a country and as a nation. But God, don't let us lose our focus and make the nation the most important but how about we make the people help us to make the people the most important that we contact every day that we see every day that we live with every day God let me not become focused on myself Lord don't let let me ever self propagate if the one thing that I fall from let let it not be self propagate Lord because this has to be about you in all my troubles and struggles and trials, 
God, it always has to be about you. We're in Laodicea, Lord, but Tabernacle of Praise is not at Laodicean church. We are not a Laodicean people. Let us refocus on you. Get us back into that place. One, one more, Lord, one more. Let me win one more. Jesus' name. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.